0: Hi, my name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to the Bible in a Year, the Story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 11. We're reading Genesis 20 to 21, Job 9 through 10, and Proverbs 2, verses 6 through 9. Genesis 20. Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar. And there Abraham said to his wife, Sarah, "'She is my sister.' Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, "'You are as good as dead "'because of the woman you have taken. "'She is a married woman.' Now Abimelech had not gone near her. So he said, "'Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation?' "'Did he not say to me, she is my sister? "'And didn't she also say he is my brother?' I have done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience, and so I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all who belong to you will die." Early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials, and when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said, What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done things to me that should never be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, What was your reason for doing this? Abraham replied, I said to myself, there's surely no fear of God in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother. And she became my wife. And when God had had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say of say of me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech brought sheep and cattle, male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham. Abraham. And he returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, My land is before you. Live wherever you like. To Sarah he said, I am giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. This is to cover the offense against you before all who are with you. You are completely vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female slaves so they could have children again. For the Lord had kept all the women in Abimelech's household from conceiving because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. Genesis 21, now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him, as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said God has brought my la- me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me and she added who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children yet I have borne him a son in his old age the child grew and was weaned and on the day Isaac was weaned Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation... Also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. As she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. At that time, Abimelech and Ficol, the commander of his forces, said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. Now swear to me here before God that you will not deal falsely with me or my children or my descendants. Show to me in the country where you now reside as a foreigner the same kindness I have shown to you. Abraham said, I swear it. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. But Abimelech said, I don't know who has done this. You did not tell me, and I heard about it only today. So Abraham brought sheep and cattle and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a treaty. Abraham set apart seven ewe lambs from the flock. And Abimelech asked Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs you have set apart by themselves? He replied, Accept these seven lambs from my hand as a witness that I dug this well. So that place was called Beersheba, because the two men swore an oath there. After the treaty had been made at Beersheba, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his forces, returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long time. Job 9. Then Job replied, Indeed, I know that this is true, but how can mere mortals prove their innocence before God? Though they wish to dispute with him, they could not answer him one time out of a thousand. His wisdom is profound. His power is vast. Who has resisted him and come out unscathed? He moves mountains without their knowing it and overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place and makes its pillar tremble. He speaks to the sun and it does not shine. He seals off the light of the stars. He also stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He is the maker of the bear and the Orion, the Pleiades and the constellations of the south. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. When he passes me, I cannot see him. When he goes by, I cannot perceive him. If he snatches away, who can stop him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? God does not restrain his anger. Even the cohorts of Rahab cowered at his feet. How then can I dispute with him? How can I find words to argue with him? Though I were innocent, I could not answer him. I could only plead with my judge for mercy. Even if I summoned him and he responded, I do not believe he would give me a hearing. He would crush me with a storm and multiply my wounds for no reason. He would not let me catch my breath, but would overwhelm me with misery. If it matter, if it is a matter of strength, he is mighty. And if it is a matter of justice, who can challenge him? Even if I were innocent, my mouth would condemn me. If I were blameless, it would pronounce me guilty. Although I am blameless, I have no concern for my life. I despise my own life. It is all the same. That is why I say, he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. When when a scourge brings sudden death, he mocks the despair of the innocent. When a land falls in the hands of the wicked, he blindfolds its judges. If it is not he, then who is it? My days are swifter than a runner. They fly away without a glimpse of joy. They skim past like boats of papyrus, like eagles swooping down on their prey. If I say I will forget my complaint, I will change my expression and smile. I still dread all my suffering, for I know you will not hold my innocent, since I am already found guilty. Why should I struggle in vain? Even if I wash myself with soap and my hands with cleansing powder, you would plunge me into a slime pit so that even my clothes would detest me. He is not a mere mortal like me that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. If only there were someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together, someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear of him, but as it now stands with me, I cannot. I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free rein to my complaint and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. I say to God, do not declare me guilty, but tell me what charge you have against me. Does it please you to oppress me, to spurn the work of your hands, while you smile on the plans of the wicked? Do you have eyes of flesh? Do you see as a mortal sees? Are your days like those of a mortal? Are your years like those of a strong man, that you must search out my faults and probe after my sin? "'Though you know that I am not guilty "'and that no one can rescue me from your hand. "'Your hand shapes me and made me. "'Will you now turn and destroy me? "'Remember that you molded me like clay. "'Will you now turn me to dust again? "'Did you not pour me out like milk "'and curdle me like cheese, "'clothe me with skin and flesh, "'and knit me together with bones and sinews? "'You gave me life and showed me kindness "'and in your providence watched over my spirit.' But this is what you concealed in your heart, and I know that this was in your mind. If I sinned, you would be watching me, and I would not let my offense go unpunished. If I am guilty, woe to me. Even if I am innocent, I cannot lift my head, for I am full of shame and drowned in my affliction. If I hold my head high, you stalk me like a lion and again display your awesome power against me. You bring new witness against me and increase your anger toward me. "'Your forces come against me, wave upon wave. "'Why then did you bring me out of the womb? "'I wish I had died before any eyes saw me. "'If I only had never come into being, "'or I had been carried straight from the room to the grave, "'are not my few days almost over? "'Turn away from me so I can have a moment's joy "'before I go to the place of no return.' to the land of gloom and utter darkness, to the land of deepest night, of utter darkness and disorder, where even the light is like darkness. Proverbs 2, 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is shield to those who walk in blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair every good path. Okay, so sometimes I think it's good to zoom out before we zoom in on what we just read. So if we zoom out to the big picture and we go back to the first parts of Genesis, we remember that God gives the first sacrifice in the story of Adam and Eve. God washes away human, humanity's evil in the story of Noah, and God burns the city of Sodom and Gomorrah for their total lack of righteousness and their consumption by sin. Hmm, sacrifice, water, and fire. Like Dr. Longman and Dr. Mackey say, the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus, who is the sacrifice and calls us to be baptized, which is referenced in the Bible over a hundred times. And in every case, it is either talking about water or fire. I don't want to get too far ahead, but wow, this is so cool to me. Because when I remember first learning that the Old Testament points to Jesus and it's really talking about uh, the new, what's going to happen in the New Testament, my brain at first was like, I don't really see it. But um, with a lot of secondary biblical scholars and knowledgeable people in original language and culture, this has really helped me, and I hope it helps you. We also recall that Eve's um, and all future women's consequence for sin in the first part of Genesis was pain in childbirth, but also were given hope in Genesis 3.15. In her wounded victory of childbirth, one of her descendants would be the wounded victor, the serpent crusher, who we know is Jesus. We also just saw that circumcision may have been Abraham's and all future men of Israel's consequence for sin, um it was this painful circumcision but also they were given hope in the progeny and greatness of future generations and a special place in the kingdom of god not just to be blessed but to be a blessing so circumcision was the symbol of the covenant and we know that both men and women are called into this relationship in really cool ways and we're called to be interconnected in the service of the kingdom of god okay now we're zooming in to this part of the story before Sarah had her son Isaac, Abraham reverts back to self-preservation, like many of us do even when we know the promises of God. When Abraham and Sarah moved and he's faced again with a similar situation to a few stories ago with King Abimelech, he calls his wife his sister again and then gives or lets, maybe both, not sure, his wife who is promised to have a son with him by God, he gives her to the king. Ugh. This convicts me because I think about how many times I know God is trustworthy and I'm in a relationship with him, but then in this moment, in a moment, I try or I revert back to decisions based on self-preservation or more self-centered to avoid pain or pursue comfort or pleasure when you're just feeling overwhelmed, even when we know better in all caps. Like the Pharaoh of Egypt, when God tells Bimelech the truth, he confronts Abraham and says, What have you done? This is interesting because as Dr. Tim Mackey points out, this is what God says to Adam and Eve in the garden when deception and the wrong choices were made there too. Except the roles are different here. Then Adam explains his deceptive thinking. And here, Abraham explains his deceptive thinking. Half truths to justify the action are given. Abraham struggles to trust the sovereignty of God over everything and everyone. Everyone. I hear my own story in this story. Do you? Then Abimelech gives slaves and gifts like um, animals and money to Abraham as well as land. Not sure about all that, but Isaac is born born in grace to Sarah, and she is full of joy. He is circumcised. Then, of course, the drama occurs between Hagar and Sarah. If you remember, Hagar, which means immigrant, and they never call her by name in the story, she was the first to give God a name, El Roy, the God who sees. When she first runs away after having intentionally or unintentionally created conflict with Sarai, when she had first had her son Ishmael, and Sarai did not have a son, which provoked Sarai, it reads a little bit like a soap opera or a telenovela. <laughs> But I love the testament to God's character as these passages point out how God heard the cries and cared for someone, Hagar, who was not blessed or treated well by the family which God himself chose to be a blessing to all of creation. God intervened again when Hagar and Ishmael were exiled to care for her and her son. Also note, because I didn't know this for a very long time, when Sarah and Abraham exile Hagar, the immigrant, and her son— The line of descendants from Ishmael is said in the Quran to lead to the prophet Muhammad, which becomes the Islamic religion we know today. The other story, Job. So in this story, he is continuing to feel just powerless. And he's asking God if he cares and asking whether or not living righteous even matters because he lost all the blessings and provision he had. We sang in church last Sunday the song, I Raise a Hallelujah. I love how the lyrics state, I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, louder and louder. I'm going to hear my praises for the Lord roar. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. Mmm, so good. This song um, from 2019 by Jake Stevens, Jonathan and Melissa Helzer, and Molly Skaggs by Bethel Music was written about the Helzer's friends, um, Jackson, a two-year-old who was airlifted to intensive care. He had been suffering with a disease and wasn't expected to live. In this case, the child did live um, by the graciousness of God. But I imagine that this story helps parents or families who um, are currently suffering or they've lost all, and they they are encouraged about the fact that suffering can be really hard to understand when we may never have some of the answers that we want. But we do know and can see from the story of Job that leaning into the one we do know, leaning into the immutable character of God, which is on display throughout the Bible— This can be the only answer in peace that we have. So sometimes the answer won't be the answer to why, but it will be who. This is a case of having faith even if, but there are also cases like with Job when he lost his children, and it requires even when it happens faith. I find that sometimes the best way to encourage friends who are suffering is just to sit with them and in some cases through music where um, I'm not trying to logically explain why it happened, particularly when it seems like a case like Job and it doesn't make any sense to me based on my finite understanding and wisdom. Um, What do you do in those situations and how can you be um, an encouraging friend? I I like this song so much and so I'll link it in the show notes, but may the God who transcends all understanding give you peace. There can be hope with a God that can create something out of nothing and restore and redeem anything that is made. The God we love sits outside and transcends time, space, and matter, and he promises a hope in a future. Even if and even when we suffer, even if and even when we sin, we must choose and encourage each other to trust in whose we are in him.